great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The particular phrase that has really been on our minds uh, just recently is the end of, uh, of uh, verse 1 there, where, it's, where it says, let us run with patience, perseverance, patience, endurance. Another translation renders that term. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Um, the race that God marks out for us as his children is uh, not like an indoor uh, oval track or even a track around a football field, uh, <clears throat> you know, where it's all leveled and, and even pavement and so on. Uh, it's more like, a, more like a cross country or perhaps even a decathlon. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, we don't get a chance to practice on this track um, this this race we don't know. Like I was watching the other day, just a little bit over breakfast of a of a horse jumping competition, and uh, <clears throat> you know those riders uh, and their horses performed well on that, but they had practiced many many times uh, with that same pattern of of barricades. You know that they jump one and it's got to be so high, and then they jump another one and then they have to jump two together. And then they got like in somewhere in that course they've got three in a row where they got to jump one, recover, jump the next one, and recover, and jump the third one. Well, anyway, they did a re- remarkable job of that uh, during that competition. But they had practiced many, many times doing that so that they could then compete. Uh, God doesn't, for some reason, give us that opportunity. Uh, we discover the turns and the hills and the jumps and uh, the, the pits that have to be jumped over and uh, the course that God has laid out for us when we get to them. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> but, and it is, we just have to recognize as we go through life, that according to the author here, the difficulties that we face uh, in this race uh, are ordained of God. When it says the race marked out for us, God is the implicit uh, one who does mar- who marks that out for each one of us, and so uh, as we run with perseverance this race that he has marked out for us individually, um, <clears throat> we need to do so with perseverance. Well, where do we come up with the perseverance that 's required to do that? Uh, the apostle James had talked about this in in his short book that he had written uh, apparently some years before Hebrews was written. Um, He says in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So uh, here James says that the testing of our faith, uh, and that comes during these trials and difficulties of life, 
develops perseverance, the, using the same word that the uh, author of Hebrews uh, used there in chapter 12, that we need to run with perseverance the race that God has set out before us. And so because of the fact that, that, it's, that trials and difficulties are what God uses to develop the perseverance that we need to be able to run that race, um, the author here says that we need to consider it a joy when we face those things because of this objective that God has in them. And that is that doesn't come natural, does it? When we face difficulties and new trials and things we hadn't expected and things that hurt, uh, it doesn't feel like something that we should be joyful about. But the author says here that we need to count it a joy. And when it says consider that, it's something that is um, something we meditate on, that we, a decision that we make based on what we know of God and his program. Uh, not, it's not something that we just conjure up ourselves. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, that, uh, that trials are developing that perseverance that enables us then to run the race that God has laid out before us. And so um, we have seen, we have been through yeah, many ups and downs in the course of our years of serving the Lord there in Colombia. And uh, <clears throat> they haven't been easy, but as we look back on it, we can see that God was, was in the different things and that as he, as we trusted him and he helped us through it, that it did develop uh, perseverance for greater trials that were lying ahead that we wouldn't have been ready for without those earlier ones. And uh, it feels like you ought to finally get to the point where you've got enough patience, enough perseverance that uh, you don't need any more trials to develop it any further. But obviously God doesn't see it that way because uh, every time we are tempted to think that way, uh, behold, here comes another thing that's a little bit different than anything that we've ever faced before. We have been uh, trusting God. We were thankfully taught when we were young that uh, we needed to trust God for everything, the provision of everything that we would need uh, in our service to him. Mm. Uh, but uh, anyway, we have, like I say, God, we see that God has been working a step at a time, taking us uh, to what we needed uh, to, to face at this particular time of our lives. One of the, the early things that uh, God used in our lives after he brought us together uh, in marriage and uh, was how he provided for us when we stepped out by faith to go to uh, Colombia to be and to serve there. Um, when we finished our missionary training, uh, we went around and, and shared with our family, with the churches that we had contact with and so on, uh, the burden that God had put on our hearts to to be involved, to be giving our lives to, so that a people group who otherwise would not uh, have a chance to really understand the gospel and come to know the Lord would have that chance. And so uh, <clears throat> we shared that with people, and and we had been taught in our as part of our training not to ask people for money. Um, we were to we asked we knew it would going to be cost you know airfares and shipping costs and setup costs when we would get there and so on and we didn't have that, but uh, we put into practice what we had been taught and just told the Lord Lord you know what we need to be able to do what you've put on our hearts, 
uh, and we're just looking to you to provide it and, and however you want to do it. Well, we got, uh, as we went around, I believe that there was one individual and one church who told us, you know what, uh, we're behind that. We want to be behind that. We want to be a part of that. And we want to uh, contribute through our donations and our offerings so that you can do that. Um, <clears throat> nowadays, uh, well, anyway, somehow the Lord provided enough for our airfares and for shipping a few things that we were going to ship to Columbia. Um, and so we set our date, bought our tickets, and set our date to go, uh, not knowing how we were going to live once we got there. Uh, because there had been you know, just these couple of people, and they didn't commit to any particular dollar amount that they were going to send. Uh, but anyway, we said, Lord, you've put it on our hearts. We've, we've shared the burden that you've given us. We feel the time has come. We're going to go. And so, uh, but, but right before we left, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a, uh, uh, the Outboard Marine Corporation offered a an outboard motor mechanics training course, and it was nearby, and they opened it up to any missionaries who wanted to get that kind of training that they could take the course for free. So um, I thought, well, we're going to South America. I know that there's a lot of the people down there that live out on rivers and so on, so I may well have to know how to maintain my uh, an outboard motor. So I took the course. The end of the course, the company uh, put on a banquet for those of us who passed the course, and said, "Any of you whose wife is near enough, bring her, and she can and uh, she can be in on this banquet." There were uh, so I took Sarah along. In the course of that time, I had found out that there were two of the other students there who were taking the course, older guys um, who were believers. They had some problems and difficulties in their lives. They weren't what you would consider victorious believers, but they were clear that they, they were, had put their trust in Christ. They were close. They lived close enough, too, that they brought their wives. So Sarah and the, the wives of those two believers who had been in that course um, met each other and got acquainted over, over that banquet. And so we said our goodbyes, and we left and flew to Columbia. Um, <clears throat> the first month that we arrived there, um, when the, uh, the mission sent the donations that had come in for us uh, toward our support, lo and behold, there were uh, donations from both of those couples that had taken that outboard motor course with me. They had not told us that they intended to, to help with our financial support, but God put it in their hearts to do it starting that very month that we left for the field. And lo and behold, when we got received our funds, there was also a, a uh, donation, a, an offering from a place called Bible Chapel of Delhi Hills. <clears throat> uh, we, I had visited the area here, met Kevin's dad and uh, Jerry Fankus and some others uh, up on the north side of town, and, and we had assist, attended, I believe, a Bible study that, uh, that Lowell and was uh, holding. I, was it done in this area? I, okay, yeah, Kevin, uh, Kevin says it was. Uh, I didn't know Cincinnati, but anyway, uh, it was down in this area, and so we had shared with that group that was meeting together uh, on a weekend, and this was a year, a year, more than a year before I was married, um, <clears throat> and we left again. 
because of the fact that we had not had any further contact with folks down here, we didn't come back here on our, the round that we did when we were sharing with people uh, what the Lord had put on our hearts, where we were going and all. And uh, nobody here had even met Sarah. They had just uh, apparently heard that we had gotten married. Anyway, that was a total surprise to us, how God provided, began to provide to meet our, our living expenses through, through this church that we had never visited together and through a couple of couples that I had met in that outboard motor training course. And, but uh, it, was, it was a limited amount, but God kept our expenses real limited at that time. And we were able to live until six months later, the people who had said that they wanted to support us began to send also some donations. But it was the donations from you folks, or the ones of you who were here, your predecessors, um, plus those two couples from that outboard motor training course that uh, God used to sustain us, keep us going, that we could eat and pay rent and so on uh, when we first got to Columbia until others began to, to help. Anyway, what an evidence of, of God's provision. My, many years later, I asked, hey, how did, how, what motivated the you people at Bible Chapel to start sending uh, donations for us when you had only seen me over one long weekend, one Thanksgiving weekend, and had never met Sarah at all. And the answer was that they had organized formally as a church and wanted to be a missions-minded church, a missionary-supporting church from the beginning. You didn't, hadn't sent anybody out. So I thought, okay, who do we know that might need some support that we could begin supporting until God sends out missionaries from our congregation. And lo and behold, our names and that of the Germans, I believe, uh, came up there. And so they said, okay, there's some people who are just leaving for the field. They probably need some support and began doing it. Anyway, and God has put it in your hearts to continue to stand behind us through all of these years. Uh, I've told my Puyanave co-translators that. I said, you know, the reason we can be here is because there are people who are faithful to give of their income in our homeland so that we can be free to dedicate our time to working with you and to helping you with the translation and so on. And that has become a real challenge to them. They just, they just shake their heads and wonder, man, people giving toward this work over more than 50 years uh, regularly, and God used that to, to have us now have the New Testament uh, and a good, understandable translation in our language. So you have blessed us. You have blessed uh, our Puyanavi uh, uh, disciples as well uh, through your faithfulness. And when we were coming up about 10 years ago on normal retirement age, we thought, well, the people who've been behind us now are going are gonna to want to re, uh, remove their support and channel that to some younger people that maybe have more energy than we have at our age and so on. And so we were saying, okay, Lord, you'll just have to take care of us if they want to channel their support. We will understand that, uh, but you'll have to continue to take care of us. Well, to, much to our surprise, not only you, but uh, others who have been have gotten on board through the years, uh, have, have felt like, no, God wants us to continue to support them until the end of the course. And so here we are. The Lord has taken care of us through all this time. Well, we'll uh, 
maybe, Sarah, would you like to share what has been uh, a special provision of the Lord uh, for, for you? Okay, just a sec here. I think it's right. Oops. There we go. Okay. Can you hear me? <clears throat> I just want to share something, uh, a little bit about our children. We have two children, and I just want to just uh, tell you how the Lord's been so faithful in uh, taking care of them in so many ways. It's just been really uh, neat to see how when we went to Columbia and then we both of our children were born in Columbia and the Lord just took care of them in every way and uh, one one of them is they went off to boarding school and that wasn't it was not easy for for me us as parents but we felt like that's where the Lord had to have his children be and and our children were very gung-ho they wanted to go uh, both of them, even though, you know, it wasn't always the easiest, but they really did well. But I know that there was people that were, were saying, how can you do that? How can you do, how can you leave, send your children off to school? And, uh, and we, I remember one fellow came to me and he said, came to us and he said, I just don't see that, you, that, that that's a good thing to do. Uh, and uh, and you say that you you say that it, that they're doing well, they're doing. But what about them? Maybe they're not. Maybe they don't feel that way. I said, you know what? You go ask Michael. Michael was at that time, I don't know, in his teens. And I said, ask him. He'll he can tell, talk, speak for himself. And he he singled him out. He said, okay, I need to have a talk with this young man. And he did. And, you know, they came back and he said, you know, Michael said, our dorm parents, A+. And he said, you're right. He is really like school. He's happy there. He's not unhappy. He's, he's doing well. And I, and I just thank the Lord. That was the Lord. You know, he did that for, for both of our children. And they both uh, did well. They finished up their... Their high school, it wasn't always easy, but, but he, he was faithful. And uh, another time I was just thinking of is when uh, there was the kidnapping in Columbia. And our children were at the, what we call the Finca, which is uh, a little ways out of town. And they were, um, and it was not a good, uh, very safe place at that time. And so, of course, we were concerned about this. And all, and but sure enough, one time that the gorillas came came into the place where the our school was, and they they uh, they kidnapped two the dorm parents, two 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 men, and boy, it was really you know I just think my heart that that was when Janelle was up there, and Michael was already gone, but Janelle was in ninth grade, she was there. And uh, she, it was her dorm dad that was actually taken. And, uh, and later on, and, and some of the things that they faced, they faced those girls, they lined them up on, uh, and, and the, you know, they were not afraid, wondering what they were going to do to them. 
And, um, but you know, the Lord just gave grace and strength to, to our daughter. It was just amazing to me how he just strengthened her through that thing. I mean, it was traumatic, no question about it, but he, God just undertook for her in a, in a very special way. And uh, later on, uh, some years later, we went back to the school base. It, it was safe by then, and we were able to go out there, and Janelle walked through this and, and you know, through all the steps of where they were and what happened and all. And you could tell, you know, she was just really thinking about it and, and realized that God had been there, just giving her a peace and, and took trauma from her heart, and she was able to deal with that. And then, of course, they moved them out of the school district, and they, Janelle came to live with us in Bogota then. But, you know, it's just so good to see how the Lord, time after time, took care of not just us, but our children, and and it's so good. One one little thing I just want to share too that, you know, we I know a lot of you folks are at the stage where you're you're maybe finding it hard to sleep at night sometimes, and especially when you're going through some hard times, and you're thinking. And I have lately gone through some of those times. I've been thinking, oh man, I, I just can't sleep very well, and I, you know, I ask the Lord to help me, but it's uh, it's not easy. We wake up at, you know, three o'clock in the morning, and oh, can't go back to sleeping. And, you know, I was reading in the, the scripture just uh, lately, which was so good. It was about Peter, and Peter was in prison, and he had just heard that James had been killed, and then I'm sure that he was pretty sure that his death was right there. I mean, tomorrow probably they were going to kill him. And I'm, you know, that to me is traumatic enough, just the thoughts of that. But you know what? He actually went to sleep that night. And we know that because we read in the, wor- in the word that he slept so soundly. And he was not in a comfortable bed by any means. He was chained, probably, and between guards, and there he was, you know, uh, and he was sleeping. We know that because it says that an angel came out and had to poke him in the ribs to wake him up to uh, to get him out of that prison. And I'm thinking, oh my, you know, God, that was, that was God, because I just think of myself sleeping in prison, I can't even imagine that. And here's Peter, you know, fast asleep, so sound asleep. And he was, really, because when he got him awake finally and got his clothes on and got him out on the street, he was still kind of walking along and uh, not sure of himself. But when he got out on the street, he all of a sudden realized, I am free. I, I was going to be killed tomorrow, and here I am walking. And he went to the people that were praying for him, of course, but, you know, I just thought, okay, Lord, you help me to sleep like Peter. <laughs> and that's been my prayer many times at night, you know, when I go to bed and I, I have, I think, hey, if Peter can sleep that way, uh, he can, God can give me that too. So anyway, the, these are just a few times where 
God's been so faithful to us in small ways, and I know he can encourage you guys too. You have, I'm sure, times where you feel that way too. Anyway, God has been just very, very faithful to us and our children as we've been out there in the in the in Columbia. Thank you, and thank you for giving to us. We yesterday we went out to the um, to the Ark Museum, and we understand that was a Christmas early Christmas gift from you folks, and we want to thank you. It was wonderful. Another thing uh, for me related to our children was uh, when we brought Janelle to the U.S. to start college after she had finished high school. And uh, we took her to, uh, she was going to attend the College of the Ozarks, and we took her there and uh, met the Dean of Women who took her to her room and so on. It was just before the orientation week, so the other students hadn't, most of them arrived yet. Anyway, we took her there, turned her over to, to those people, and had to leave to go and visit uh, other churches and, and relatives and all. And driving away from that place, leaving my teenage daughter there, you know, by herself for the, for the first time in a, that type of an environment was one of the hardest things that I had ever done in my life. But we prayed with her and for her. And, you know, over time, the Lord brought her together with uh, their, what, who is now her husband and gave her a godly, faithful young man uh, to serve alongside of her uh, in, the, in missions as well. And so that, that was scary to me because, you know, you don't know what in the world is going to happen, her being now out on her own for the first time and so on. Uh, and we're, uh, we're going to be making a travel around the U.S. and Canada and then back to Columbia on a different continent. But the Lord was faithful to her. He kept her from dangers, uh, helped her through a friendship with a guy that was not the guy that God had for her and the breakup of that, you know, and before she actually got together with uh, Joel, who has uh, been her faithful husband uh, for how many years now? Uh, 17 years, I believe it is. So anyway, uh, as you see or hear from us, uh, it's not only us that God has cared for and shown his faithfulness to, but to our children as well at times of of separation there. Okay, rather than uh, sharing any other particular things that we have been through, I'd like to open it up for questions. If anybody has uh, questions about what we shared this morning or what we've been sharing this evening or, or whatever, why we want to give you that opportunity uh, rather than just taking all the time just to talk to you. Uh, yes? Okay. Uh, we guesstimate based on the government census that there are about 12,000 speakers of the language and know they're not together in one community. They, it takes a week to travel from one end of their territory to the other because of the, the distance. The, the villages are widely scattered, uh, separated out on the rivers out there, and uh, there's many rapids and waterfalls on those big rivers that make travel really uh, difficult and time-consuming. 
Not yet. Okay, um, yeah, the, the recordings were done uh, under the umbrella of the mis mission called uh, Faith Comes by Hearing. They have developed a, a little playback device uh, that they call the Proclaimer that uh, has just a little screen on it where you can navigate to a certain book and a chapter that you want to listen to, and, uh, and it will play back. It has, I believe, a small uh, solar panel on the back of it to recharge it if you're out in an area where there is no electricity to keep it charged. And so they plan to put this, uh, the, the recording of the New Testament on a chip, I think it is, inside of that. That'll have to be shipped to Colombia and, and go through the importation process before it can be distributed. But they say that before that, once they get the audio cleaned up and the, and the um, uh, volumes all equalized on it, add some uh, background music and some sound effects to it, that they will combine it with the text of the New Testament and do an app for cell phones. And so any Puinavi who has a cell phone and has access to internet will be able to download it from, uh, uh, from the cloud uh, into their cell phone and, and listen. And as they listen, the text that is being read will be highlighted, it uh, scrolls along, highlighting the part that's being read. And so we're really looking forward to that. They said that will be available first because of the fact that they don't have to ship it. <laughs> you know, just upload it and it can be downloaded. So we're really looking forward to that. The, the ministry group that uh, will do that technical part of it uh, is does that for, for language groups around the world. And so they do it in the order in which they come into them. And they've, they've told us that it'll probably be January before they can get at ours. So we'll have to wait till then. But the recording itself has been done. Mm -hmm. Yes? We don't feel like it, but, but uh, uh, yeah, we, we want to hear that well done, faithful, good and faithful servant uh, when we stand before the Lord. Uh, yes, Chris? Um, in the, out in the jungle location where we work, uh, she, if it's chilly enough that she wants to have a warm bath, she heats the water on the stove. Um, in our city home, uh, we have a flow through gas water heater because there's natural gas in that city. So depends on where we are. Mm -hmm. Yes? Okay, we first did key Old Testament portions, about three quarters of Genesis and half or so of the chapters of Exodus plus other passages that connect through to the New Testament, including the Messianic prophecies. Uh, we did that first, and then we went into the New Testament. It's the New Testament that we are just now finishing and has been recorded. I still have to do. Uh, they sent me a, several pages of checklists of things that I need to do to make sure that the spelling is all consistent throughout 
and punctuation, and then we'll have to look, make sure that, well, then we'll send it to some people who've trained for the formatting for printing, and then when they get that roughed out, then they'll send it back to us, and we have to check it to make sure that the pictures and uh, illustrations are on the page that they, where they need to be visible to the reader when the reader reads that part, not off on some other page. We'll have to make sure that any words, the longer words that had to be hyphenated or hyphenated in the right place and things like that. And then they will do the final PDF of each page of the New Testament and the, for the size of paper that they'll be printing on and, and do the printing. So uh, that is a process that um, I'm hoping that maybe I'll be able to work some on even while we're here uh, in North America, but uh, we've been pretty busy visiting people and traveling and so on, so we'll have to see, pray with us about that, uh, that we can get that done soon, because I don't want there to be a long delay in, in having the printing done just because I haven't gotten at the final detailed checking. Yes? Uh, Puinave had been written uh, and uh, an alphabet had been devised by a lady missionary before us who had not had any linguistic training and, and uh, she hit this language that has 11 vowels and was trying to, and some of them were confusing to her ear and so the alphabet that she designed um, served at that time because the people were highly motivated to learn to read and write. They could tell that the white people had a real advantage over them because they could communicate in a written form. Um, and so people learned to, to read with that, but they did not, it was complicated enough that they did not keep passing it on from one generation to another. So by the time we were ready to begin teaching, there were few people uh, still reading uh, the material that had been produced earlier with that orthography, that alphabet. Uh, I did my own uh, linguistic study of the sounds of the language and, and a Colombian linguist also did that, came to the same conclusion, so we knew how many vowels there were and, and so on. The vowels are the most complicated part of it. And uh, we devised, both of us uh, independently devised a similar orthography but the people, the older people who had learned to read with the other alphabet uh, wouldn't accept it. And the younger people who were school teachers by then said, we can't teach the kids this, this inconsistent orthography that was used uh, previously. And so they, they ended up at loggerheads with each other. And so uh, the uh, bilingual education was not implemented in the school, still hasn't been. But as we worked through, as we've been going ahead and translating, believing that by the time we were done that the Lord would have brought this together, um, we made some modifications, came up with sort of a compromise that addressed the most, the greatest deficiencies in the original orthography um, and gave up on some of the things that linguistically we would say would be better. And uh, that is gaining more and more acceptance, uh, especially since the guys, my co-translators have been getting out and uh, introducing the, the scriptures that they can really understand and showing them why they need to be written uh, a little bit differently than just the Spanish, because Spanish only has five vowels instead of the 11 that Puinavi has. 
And so they have to learn some new symbols and some new things in order to read it. But uh, it's close enough to what the original was that the older people are now accepting it. So we just praise the Lord for that answer to prayer because, you know, we were thinking, well, when we get this done, are we going to have to only produce it in an audio form because we won't, the people won't accept any alphabet that we would write it in? But uh, thankfully, that's, it's coming together. They still have to get it uh, officialized. Uh, there was a case in Brazil, not too far from where we work, that um, the missionaries devised a good alphabet for another language and probably did the New Testament in that language and teaching materials and so on. Then a Brazilian linguist came in and did a study of the language and suggested a different alphabet. He took that to the federal government, to the ministry, education, Ministry of Education, I think it was, and got that approved. And in the process, they said, okay, nothing can be published in this language except what's done in this orthography. Well, that excluded, they didn't consult with the, with the native people about this. The native people were happy with what they had and it was a good, a good orthography. There was nothing wrong with what the other linguists did, but it was quite different uh, and the people couldn't use it without doing a transition and so, man, when my Kuinavi co-translators have heard about that case, they're saying, boy, we have got to find a way to get this, to have official recognition of this orthography, this compromise orthography that we've come up with so that nobody can uh, say that you can't publish anything in, in that uh, alphabet anymore. So it's another prayer request as we mention it in our future letters and, and as the Lord brings it to your mind, please do be praying with us that that can be accomplished. That's going to have to be done by the native speakers, not by me as a foreigner. Uh, they need to present this that they have agreed upon amongst themselves to the uh, ministries of education and culture there in Colombia and uh, ask them to officially recognize it as the way to write the Puinave language. <clears throat> Okay, anything else before we quit? It's, I see it's right about 7 o'clock now. We went through many years of that, uh, led by secular anthropologists who wanted to preserve the native peoples in their with their traditions and so on without change. Um, that hasn't been as bad uh, lately. Uh, Colombia adopted a new, a new constitution, I believe it was in 1991, that leveled the playing field for all religious groups. The Catholic Church no longer had special privileges and uh, it made provision for us as an organization to be under a what they call the division of religious affairs rather than under the the Division of Indian Affairs, because the Indian Affairs Department was run by anthropologists. The Religious Affairs Department was, was specially set up just to oversee, and from a legal standpoint, the religious organizations and make sure that nobody created a fake religious, a fake church or religious organization for money laundering. 
and, and they have not given us any problems uh, since then, thankfully. We're very thankful to be out from under the burden of, of having constant harassment uh, from uh, government officials uh, uh, to the work. Okay, thank you for giving us this opportunity this evening. It's really a joy to be able to share with you in person and, uh, and uh, just really appreciate it so much. And uh, just keep praying for us as we move ahead. Uh, we are currently facing some, some very, very difficult things that have made it heavy uh, in, in addition to completing the translation of the New Testament. And uh, I don't want to share any more, any more particulars, but just be aware that, that we do need your prayers for that perseverance and, and for that joy that, uh, Jesus, that the author of Hebrews says there was, Jesus was looking forward to the joy of what was going to result from his sacrifice, and that's, uh, it was in, in that um, way of looking at it that he was willing to to go through the shame and all that he was put to being God, uh, totally undeserving of that. But uh, that, that joy was a part of what God used to, to keep his, his focus on the goal. And uh, the scriptures uh, mentioned that for us too. And the scripture that I read this morning about the reading of the scriptures by Ezra uh, after the completion of the wall around Jerusalem, at the end of that, we didn't read it, but at the end of that, the people were weeping and mourning as they heard the words of the law and realized that they had not been following God's law. They were really repentant of it, but then uh, they were told, hey, don't be weeping. Don't go on weeping. You need to celebrate. Celebrate the fact that you have repented and, that, uh, and uh, come back to the Lord. And it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. That was the reason that they needed to celebrate and not go on in a prolonged period of mourning over their failures. So again, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and it's, uh, it's part of what keeps us going. Uh, who's going to wind this up, Kevin? Are you?